Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Todd Bowles will be the new interim head coach. He will replace Tony Sperano. General Manager Jeff Ireland introducing him this afternoon with owner Stephen Ross alongside. Joe Philbin is moving to Miami after nine years in Green Bay. They fired Joe Philbin just 196 days after extending his contract. Simply put, he failed to get the job done in Miami. When a Michigan guy can hire a Michigan State guy to lead an organization, <laughs> that tells you you really found the right guy. First of all, I'd like to just uh, thank Adam Gase for all the work that he's done. And um, it's probably it's probably one of the toughest decisions I've made. I really like Adam. He's a very bright guy. I'd first like to uh, welcome and congratulate <coughs> Brian on his great Super Bowl coaching yesterday. It was, it was incredible. First, I'd like to thank Brian Flores for all that he's done for the Miami Dolphins. He's a very good man, and um, I wish him the best and I'm sure we'll see him again as an NFL coach you know we could just do all show of Miami Dolphins press conferences led by Stephen Ross either announcing the firing of or the hiring of coaches and general managers since he became the majority owner. You all right there? I'm okay. good. Making sure I got, got like, you know, the shirts clean. Making sure the oh. makeup's off me. I'm like, I didn't even check myself before I came on air. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's always important to check yourself lest you wreck before you yourself. Wreck yourself. <laughs> uh, as, and, and, you know, that, that's fitting because the Dolphins continue to be a freaking wreck. And I'd really love to say the alternative word that begins with F and ends with G or an apostrophe, as the case may be. The Dolphins, look, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. That's what makes it impossible to properly prognosticate what's going to happen when 18 franchises reach the end of the road, and that's typically what happens the day after the regular season ends. 14 teams still alive, 18 teams picking up the pieces and thinking about the future. And I knew... 
when I laid out in a post at PFT on Saturday all of the guys on the hot seat, all of the potential surprises, and then the ones where maybe the coach decides to move on or the GM decides to move on, whatever the case may be, I knew I was going to miss somebody. And I, I communicated with you about some of the possibilities, just kicking some ideas around. Miami hit my radar screen. It did hit. Miami hit your radar on screen on Saturday, and you sent a text kind of gauging if I had heard anything, right? So I'm just trying to verify what you, you're saying here. But, yes, you had a little pasta and meatballs here. And I was thinking of it from the perspective of Brian Flores making a power play against Chris Greer because Flores has done extremely well, in my opinion, and I think you'll agree with me, with the talent that he's had. The talent has been substandard. The talent has been suspect. All those draft picks they've acquired via trades, when you scratch off the lottery ticket, there's been no prize under it for the most part. We were talking about that during the season. Hey, we have three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. Well, you had three first-round picks a couple of years ago, and look what they turned into. Not a bad deal. So I thought that Flores, because this has happened before, coach has a decent amount of success. Coach makes a power play to try to improve the quality of the folks who are there with the goal of improving the quality of the talent on the team. So something was going on. The problem is it was going on the other way. Yes. As Brian Flores was busting his ass to turn chicken you-know-what into chicken salad and have winning records for back-to-back years, folks in the organization were conspiring against him. And people, well, how, do you, how do you know that? Uh, because Flores got fired yesterday, and nobody else did. That's the hallmark of dysfunction. We'll talk about that over the course of this segment. But anytime. The coach goes and the GM stays, or the GM goes and the coach stays. That's the whiff of dysfunction. That's a sign that people aren't on the same level of accountability. No and that's a poisonous situation. Stephen Ross, are you up? Are you listening? Can you hear me? That's dysfunctional. Firing your coach and keeping your GM, or firing your GM and keeping your coach is dysfunctional in and of itself. So... And, and I don't know why I'm pissed about this. I don't know Flores like you do. And Dolphins fans get mad at us because we speak truth about Tua Tagovailoa. We speak truth about other things, hard truth that they don't want to hear. Hello, Tua, and on good morning. Glad you're with us. You got a mess now. You got a mess now because between Brian Flores and Tua Tagovailoa, I know who I'm keeping yeah. 100 out of 100 times. Yeah. A thousand out of a thousand times, I know who I'm keeping, and that's the guy who got fired yesterday. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Hello. Yeah, okay. Houston. Hello. Good to see you. No, but, I mean, you said a lot of good stuff. I, the, the shocker of yesterday was the fact that that got, you know, bombshell got dropped right around, what, a little after 9 a.m.? I mean, that, that, out of nowhere, in my opinion. I mean, I, I thought of you exactly when it happened just because I was like, man, Florio was, was on to something. I, I just I couldn't believe it. I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. I, I mean, really, you look at one of the, the, the positives of the organization, and I think if you ask people around the league, as far as the Miami Dolphins are concerned, you're going to get a lot of, man, I like Brian Flores as a head coach, whether that's coaches or people in the personnel office. You talk about you know, the, the team itself. I mean, come on. You know, again, what they've done, where they've come from in such a short period of time. Did anybody expect the 2020 Dolphins to be 10 and 6? Absolutely not. 10 and 6, yes, they missed the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, they lost to Buffalo in, in week 17 last year. And then this year, again, 
to deal with some issues and then right the ship after being one and seven and come back here and end up with a winning record for the football season and everything looking on the up and up everything on the team going in the right direction really I mean you look at just about any position on the football team and things are going well Brian Flores doing his part now the things that aren't going that well within the football team are not necessarily Brian Flores issues either and that's where we can dive into this to where yeah it doesn't look it doesn't look good it doesn't look right it smells fishy to me there's no doubt about that you know, okay, so what's number one issue with the Miami Dolphins? Oh, that's right, the quarterback, right, the lightning rod subject, period, right there. That's the number one issue. All right, most people you talk to around football, me included, you included, yeah, it's major questions about Tua, whether he could be the starter of, 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 of any franchise, let alone lead that franchise to the promised land. There's serious questions, all right? And I would right now sit here and go, I doubt it. I don't think so. So wait, and now go to going back to that, here we are a winning record dealing with that situation the last two years, and we know by all accounts it's a Stephen Ross pick with Tua. So there's, okay, so there's Brian Flores having to deal with the biggest, biggest problem in the organization, and he has nothing to do with it, really. He's just got to manage it and make it work. Suck it up, Brian Flores. Make it work. That guy can't throw it 20 yards down the field, but make that damn team win and offense work. You have that. The offensive line issues, again, you talked about it, missed draft picks. Those are the two most glaring issues on the football team, and neither one of them really lead back to the guy that got fired, to your point. And that's where it's absolutely amazing, ridiculous, and I mean, I just think the Miami Dolphins made an unbelievably huge mistake. I do. You know, and and I'm I'm being biased. I just think the guy's a hell of a coach and leading the leading the organization out of the woods into the right direction. And here we go back to like you said. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Maybe they strike the jackpot and hit get a good coach. I don't know, but it, it's certainly semi dysfunctional. To your point. Well, I think Chris Collinsworth said this in relation to the Vikings during the game at Lambeau Field week 17 you may get a different coach but you're not going to get a better coach Vikings fans may disagree with that statement in that context but I think that statement applies 100 percent to the Dolphins you're going to get a different coach but you're not going to get a better coach and here's the reality Stephen Ross and and I know this anybody who follows this closely knows what's coming next because we've been saying this for years and it's been true for years. If you're going to own an NFL team in today's environment, with as competitive as it is, if you're going to own that team, you better be all in. It's not just some side hobby where you live in New York City and you keep making your billions there and you just fly down to South Florida for the home games or wherever the team is playing for the road games and also still expect to put a finger in the stew and spin it around from time to time like Stephen Ross does, even though he says, oh, I have nothing. I have nothing to do. Bull crap. Bull crap. That's so you don't get criticized for the decisions that blow up in your face, like Tua Tonga-Vailoa. You make it known what you want, but you're not there every day. There's a value in being there every single day. We've talked about this time and again. Ownership presence every day. The ability to meet with Brian Flores on a regular basis, to spend time with him, to get to know who he is, what he is, and not rely upon people who whisper into your ears 
while the coach is busting his ass trying to win games. I've been hearing for years how coaches go crazy when they know what's going up in the on up in that luxury suite. Of course. Anything that goes anything that goes wrong in the game is their fault. Because they have no chance to defend themselves. Yeah. Here's the owner, and he's got team president here. He's got GM here. He's got somebody else here. And it's all the fault of the guy who's not there. It's all his fault. And he's got no time or opportunity to ever really speak his side of the story because on Monday morning, where's the owner? Tuesday morning, where's the owner? Wednesday morning, where's the owner? Oh, he only shows up when the coach doesn't have an opportunity to talk to him face-to-face. And so what happens? What happens? It creates dysfunction. And when you have a standard that isn't everyone's on the same page, we all stay, we all succeed, or we all go. When there's an opportunity for different standards to apply to different people in the organization, anytime adversity strikes, one camp is going to blame it on the other camp, and that camp is going to blame it on the other camp. And the problem is, Brian Flores is all about football. I mean, your response to my question, hey, you think Flores is making a move on Greer? No, I haven't heard that at all. No, because Flores is focusing on coaching the exactly. damn team. Exactly. He's worried about He's the Patriots and Belichick. Job. Right, so, yeah. So he loses the game, right. the political game that got played out. And at the end of the day, Stephen Ross is the one who got played by people who, oh, uh, when I saw the tweet yesterday from Jeff Darlington of ESPN, I'm not blaming Jeff for this. He's just re- reporting what right. he's told that Flores ultimately failed because of relationships. Get the hell out of here with yeah, please, relationships. Please. This isn't relationships. This is about winning football games. Yeah. You think Bill Belichick has great relationships in the organization? No, but he wins. See, that's a problem. Any any piece of fruit that falls off the Belichick tree, if you don't win right away, there's going to be people in the organization that don't like you, and they're going to conspire against you because you don't go in there and kiss everyone's ass and play the game. And that's not the way to have a functional, successful football team. Get out of here with those petty fiefdoms and turf battles. There's no place for that in football except in Miami. Yeah, well, no, no, that, that to me, Mike, you said a lot there, and I agree with you. It, it does seem like it was a coup d'etat. Like, that. yeah, Chris Greer, right, Stephen Ross, yeah, conspired. You said it right. You know, so many times the coach is down there, he's working and grinding, but the GM's out, you know, having brunch with the owner, getting to tell him all about, hey, my picks were great, and any other problem, like you said, I don't know why he's not coaching them better. I don't know why. That's where it looks like that from the outside looking in right now. It does, 100%. And then, like, you bring up the point about, yeah, I don't like the way it looks right now. I mean, to me, added on top of the shock, the, the, the shocking factor of Brian Flores being fired, where you go, what, one of the better young head coaches in football? And now we're going to talk about relationships in the building? relationships what first off let me just say this you said it already I know Brian Flores I've known him for a long time I mean like there's not a there's not a disrespectful mean bone in his body as far as having relationships with people is there hard line like hey we got to do this to be better we got to do this to be a better football organization hey defense we got to get better in this department I don't want to hear it no nonsense no excuses of course yeah, but like, what, what what do we think we're dealing with here? This ain't the Boy Scouts. This ain't band camp. You think Nick Saban's like holding the hands of every college coach he's ever had? I mean, it, it, it's relationships are built on like you're talking about the work done in the building, the profe- the profession itself. 
you know, respect for others, not whether like we're best buddies and we can go hang out and watch a game together. That's not the head coach's job. We can go through a lot of coaches in football and get into discussions and go, I don't know how many great relationships he has in the building. He's got people who respect him because they know he's good at his job. That has crap to do with anything. And that's my other thing I don't like here. It's a little bit of a smear campaign playing into the story of like, hey, this is a tough, hardline guy. And also playing into the fact of the matter of like, oh, he's from New England. We'll be able to pin this on him because we've had a lot of other coaches like this as well out of New England who have, you know, not the ability to have relationships. What a bunch of BS, really. Like, I can't even, you talk about low blow central from Miami. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a low blow coup d'etat went on. And the guy that got fired is the guy that's, I I mean, mainly responsible for the success and the positive nature in which the organization's running. Absolutely debacle, like stupid. And I just, I don't understand it at all, Mike, but I think you said a lot of good things and I hope I added to it there. No, absolutely. And look. This has its roots in one thing, and we, we talk about this all the time as well, but yeah. it's, it's not all the time that a living, breathing example of it lands unexpectedly in our laps like it did yesterday. Yeah. One of the prerogatives of being a multi-billionaire is you don't have to give direct orders to people. You can be subtle. You can be nuanced. You can make your point without ever having to reduce yourself to making direct orders. There's something unseemly about having to tell people, hey, remember, I'm the boss. I run the show. I decide who stays and goes. They don't want to have to say that. They shouldn't have to say it, but they get what they want. And it is undeniable, folks, undeniable. I don't care what's coming out now. They're trying to paint a different narrative now, and it's BS. Stephen Ross wanted Deshaun Watson. Stephen Ross didn't get Deshaun Watson. And to the extent that Brian Flores resisted the Deshaun Watson love affair that Stephen Ross had, he's paid for it with his job. And, and, and look, that may have been the root of the conversations. Think about it. They were one and seven. Beat the Patriots, start the season, lost seven in a row. Adversity, dysfunction. What's going on? Why don't we have Deshaun? I said I wanted Deshaun. Not, and again, he doesn't have to say it that clearly. But we know he wanted Deshaun all along. He wanted Deshaun in August. They didn't have Deshaun. We wouldn't be 1-7 if we had Deshaun. Where's Deshaun? Why don't we have Deshaun? Why don't we have Deshaun? Well, Brian Flores isn't there to say nobody in this building wants Deshaun. Nobody wants Deshaun, Stephen. Not me, not Chris Greer, not Tom Garfinkel, not anyone. Nobody wants Deshaun. You're the one who wants Deshaun. No, they're all up there saying, well, I don't know. Coach, coach, coach doesn't really. Coach keeps saying, oh, oh, coach, coach isn't sure. And so he gets blamed for being the one who doesn't want Deshaun. So he's the one who's out the door. That's the the nugget that becomes the, the virus that spreads and allows them to make their run because ultimately Ross wanted Deshaun and Ross didn't get Deshaun. And that, that laid the foundation, I think, for what ultimately happened yesterday. Well, I, I definitely think it has something to do with that subject. I do. There's no doubt about that. Now, that's where I don't know. And again, that's where I've, you know, I've talked to people around the trade deadline, heard a lot of rumors then you know, from people that, you know, of course, are in the know that I trust. You know, we've heard plenty of things in the past where we know it came from Stephen Ross and his mouth, where he, he's a little bit of a, 
you know, he's a little bit of a blabber. We know that. I mean, we've had things that we've been able to, we, we could have reported or things we knew that were true that came out or, or haven't come out that we know have kind of come from that direction. I think we both have had sources there to, 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 to verify that, that it's a little loose lip from ownership there in Miami. That's kind of the MO. There's no doubt. And that's where I do. I think the Tua thing is the lightning rod for this situation to a degree. There's no doubt. Now, what I don't understand, I don't know if it's like what you're saying or if it's the other way around, too. You know, I do think there was a wanting from everybody, including Stephen Ross or Deshaun Watson. But I was led to believe by people that I trust that it like at some point it turned and the public pressure and everything and it got into back to it's Tua. We're going to make it work with Tua. And that's where I just don't know, and I'm trying to connect the dots, and I hope to get some answers and things like that. But that's where I think ultimately the relationship became dysfunctional, at least from where I've been led to believe from people like around the situation and, you know, who know people in the NFL. That, yes, Greer, Ross, and Flores were not on the same page about the quarterback situation and whether it was Tua or Watson. Now, I was led to believe that Greer – Greer and Ross ultimately led to let's just go back to Tua and make it work. And they chickened out on the Deshaun Watson thing. But I don't know that 100%. I can't verify it. Maybe I will be able to tomorrow. But that's what I was led to believe in the situation. And that that Flores was a little bit left out in the dark on that conversation there. And that's where it went wrong. Like I said, I don't know that for sure, but either way, I do know because I had too many people I know that I've talked to that Tua certainly in that conversation was a big basis for what we saw yesterday, a firing of Brian Flores out of left field. I have a thought and then I have an idea. Yeah. The idea just came to me while you were explaining what transpired, but as it relates to the Deshaun Watson situation, ultimately the deal didn't go down because... Somebody within the Dolphins organization, and I assume it came from the top, insisted on the 22 civil lawsuits pending against Deshaun Watson being resolved before a trade right. was finalized. Right. Wanted that part of it off the table, even though a criminal investigation would have continued, and it still continues. Yeah. There's an expectation that the grand jury's work will be completed by the end of this month, but who knows? It moves on its own calendar with no specific deadline other than the statute of limitations it would apply to whatever charges may be filed but that is what at the end of the day kept it from happening and again who knows what kind of conversations happened within the building hey we're going to get this guy let's get this guy let's just get this done maybe Flores was getting like can we just resolve this once and for all because this is hovering over my team and it's keeping me from winning and oh you know what when the door finally closed on the possibility of getting Deshaun Watson during the 2021 season, what happened? Yeah. They went on a seven-game right. winning streak, right. starting with the Sunday after the trade deadline came and went. It hovered over the team. It was a distraction for the team. That's the one thing that we could glean clearly 100%. from Brian yeah. Flores' demeanor and words. This was a distraction, and he is all about no distractions from what it is that we're trying to do to win football games. So he's got a quarterback that he's got to go to battle with every week. And this guy 
is being twisted around and turned upside down by the possibility of Deshaun Watson. And you and I both know how that went down. That yeah, Tua did not handle it well, right. to say the least. Right. So Brian Flores had to hold that together. Exactly. He had to keep Tua from completely and totally melting down during yeah. the Deshaun Watson phase. Right. And then once that's finally off the table, Chris, they start winning games. They start they start getting it done. And, you know, I, I can hear the conversations now. If Ross says, well, you know, we did win seven in a row. Well, well, well it's not exactly great teams that we were beating. I mean, come on. This isn't, this isn't Newt Rockney stuff. Yeah, and, again, I'm, I'm completely and totally speculating and also being facetious. But when these conversations are happening during games, when the coach is otherwise busting his ass to win games, he's not there to defend himself. He's not there to share his perspective. And it can get twisted and warped. And it's amazing to me that a guy who has made that much money in the business world over a course of decades could get manipulated the way he was manipulated yeah. into firing Brian yeah. Ra- Brian Flores. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. But it, again, you know, this is a, a thing I hear from a lot of, you know, coaches, people in the NFL right now too. There's a lot of politicians in the league right now who know how to sell what they need to sell to keep the job or keep it going. You know, that's where, you know, it, it's, I think, frustrating to the old school brand of coach like a Brian Flores who, yes, is not like – an old guy, I get that. He's right around 40 years old, but he's old school in his approach. I mean, he is. You know, he's from Brooklyn, New York. He's all about the grind, the work, no excuses. You know, worked in New England from the time he got out of college. Uh, he's, he's seen all facets of the organization as he came up through the New England Patriots there. So he really understands everything that goes into making things successful. You know, and that's where it just looks like, hey, again, on the outside looking in, that there was some sort of power play here, that there was. And, you know, that Chris Greer won that battle. That, that That's, to me, what it looks like more than anything. Yeah, Brian Flores, his rough and tough, no BS, you know, cutthroat type attitude, I'm sure scared people. There's no doubt about that. You know, and then to me, on the outside looking in, I do think it looks like it's like Greer and Ross decide to go to a instead of Greer and Ross decide to go with Flores and let's see who's the quarterback next, whether that's Watson or somebody else. That's what, that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. You know, I, I do think that's a major part of this conversation here. I do, which is unbelievable because we're in the, the issue that you're having, Stephen Ross and Chris Greer, because, you know, you, 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 you caved to the public pressure of drafting two of the first time around. And now here we are with enough evidence to me, for my opinion, that I've seen. And I, I know people think, you know, again, I, you know, screw you to and on and all that. And it's not personal to Tua. But I, I've seen enough to go, I, I don't really think you're going to be able to ever make a deep playoff run with Tua as your quarterback. He can't play in weather. That's the one thing I know for sure now after two years. We saw it again in Tennessee two weeks ago. A little cold and a little rainy. Ball goes everywhere. You don't know what the hell's going to happen, you know. We're getting so there's there's issues there, and like God forbid, I don't know if it did go down this way where Flores, like he's not on that side. I mean, he's only seen Tom Brady for 20 years, so what would he know about the quarterback position and what you need to win in the AFC East? But just all signs point towards that was the issue, and then here we go. It looks like Ross and Greer have caved to the still the public pressure in Miami, and it's Tua, 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 and we're gonna go that route over the bright shiny star head coach we have that everybody looks at and goes damn he's a good football coach you guys are lucky down there and they're gonna fire him instead and now he's on the street and we'll see where it goes with the Dolphins and Tua 
Here's my idea. Yeah. And what made me think of this was your comment from a few minutes back about Stephen Ross having a reputation for being a little loose-lipped. Definitely, and yeah. I can't, I can't divulge the full facts and circumstances. If I did, you would understand and agree that what I'm about to say is 100% truthful and accurate. I now wonder, did the Flores... Ross relationship goes south, not 2021, not 2020, but 2019, because I firmly believe that Stephen Ross entered the 2019 season, first year with Brian Flores as coach, with the intent of losing as many games as possible strategically in an effort to secure the first overall pick in the draft. Now, at the time, it was tank for Tua. However, what it became, yeah. because they did get to it with the fifth overall pick. Yeah. But remember, remember, those first couple of games, it was a disaster. It was awful. Minka Fitzpatrick talked his way out of town. Get me out of here. I can't do this. And Flores eventually said, screw this. We're going to try to win football games. I can't go into that locker room and, and be respectful to the job, to the players, to the staff, to anyone with this plan that we're going to lose as many games as we can on purpose so we can have the first pick in the draft. So all of a sudden it flipped and they ended up winning five games after they blew the first. I can't remember how many they lost in a row to start the season, but the tank was working until Flores said, I've had enough of this crap. So what ultimately happens? What ultimately happens? The Bengals end up being the worst team in the league that year. Right. They secure the rights to Joe Burrow. Steven Ross had a bug up his butt about getting Joe Burrow and could not get the Bengals under any set of circumstances to agree to trade down from the top spot so the Dolphins could go get Joe Burrow. And now, now, unfortunately for Brian Flores, Ross was proven right, grand scheme of things. We should have lost every game that we could in 2019. We should have gotten Joe Burrow. Where would we be right now if we had just gotten Joe Burrow, if they had just listened to me? Who cares about 2019? Two years later, nobody's thinking about whether we were good or bad in 2019. They don't even remember our record without looking it up. 5-11, and 2-14, and 1-15, and 0-16. Oh and Who the hell cares? We would have had Joe Burrow. So you juxtapose what Joe Burrow is doing in Cincinnati with what Tua is doing in Miami, and that, when Ross is making his final decision, and again, it's the billionaire's prerogative, you never have to come out and make the order, you just make sure that people understand where you stand. From the get-go, Brian Flores didn't understand what the owner wanted. Brian Flores defied what the owner wanted, even though the owner never said... yeah. As far as we know, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Based upon some of the things I heard the owner say, maybe he did. I doubt it. A little it, too close to revealing my, my. I'm, I'm right. getting a little too close to revealing how I know what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, look, when it's time to make that call, and, and for all we know, this was either a rash decision that was made by Stephen Ross, or it was a complete and total failure of PR by the Dolphins, because there was no idea this was coming. Hey, PR professionals out there. If you're working for an NFL team or any sports team, if your boss is getting ready to make a move like this, probably a good idea to get the word out there just a little bit so it doesn't shock people the way that the Brian Flores thing shocked everyone. Not that not that people would have been okay with it, but at least they would have known it was coming. Well, it would yeah. have removed some of the holy crap, what's wrong with Stephen Ross. It speaks to more that, that it's a coup d'etat. That's where, to me, it speaks more to that. Exactly right. Mike. That's where it just seems like it was like a, it's a Greer ownership 
hey, we let's wink, wink, shake, shake. We're gonna, we got this going down. We're not gonna tell anybody in the organization. You're right. Coming. Let's keep it quiet. Let's keep it quiet. Exactly. So, so there won't be a pro Flores backlash. Exactly. That keeps us from doing it. Right. We don't want to hear about what are they crazy? They might fire Brian Flores. Uh, that that to me again. There's just too many signs that point to this right now, at least in my opinion. And you're Mike. I mean, if that's the way it went down again, that goes, that's failure on Steven Ross to communicate exactly what he wants. And that's where maybe, you know, you got to be in the building more instead of hanging out in Manhattan and New York city and doing that, you know, again, not that the owner has to be uh, Jerry Jones. We get that. But your point about the owner being in the building or having a presence, at least that's very connected to him in the building on a daily basis, is a real thing. You know, hey, if the owner's not there, then the owner's right hand man is there all the time. There's got to be some aspect of that. You know, again, I'll speak to the ownership of, of I was in Tampa, the Glaciers. There was always a presence around from the Glazier family. All right. So you knew you had to be on your P's and Q's to a degree. It was never just going to be like, nobody's around. It's just free-for-all for, all for the, you know, the coaches. And no, there was always one of the brothers, you know, somebody was there at that time. Of course, New England, my time there, being there. I mean, again, Mr. Kraft, the Kraft family had just the right touch, in my opinion. You know, you knew he was there. He was upstairs. He was a floor above the coaches. He's going to walk around. He's going to say hi to everybody, make sure things were going good every day. If he wasn't there, Jonathan Kraft, the son, was there. And they were going to make sure you knew they were there. You're going to see them in the lunch line. But there was like, oh, oh, oh wait, hey, coach, oh, the owner's here. And then, matter what you were, I mean, I could have been in my workout clothes and been like, I'm, I'm nobody in the organization. Oh, the owner's here and there. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Let me straighten up. I mean, there's something to that. <laughs> there's something to that. And that, that aspect seems to be lost there in Miami. And uh, that's where there's a lot of issues. There's no, there's no question about it. Hide my weed. The coach is here. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the owner's the here. Excuse here. me. But, but and it doesn't mean. Look, you mentioned Jerry Jones. You could be doing a lot worse than Jerry Jones is exactly. Owner right now. The Cowboys right. won the division. Right. And they have a pretty damn good football team. Exactly. But but I, I look at it this way. I'd much rather have an owner who's all in than an owner who treats this like just you know, a, some like a, toy. Yeah, it's a toy. That's what it is. Like some diversion, yeah, right? right? I mean, what Dolphins fans should want today is Stephen Ross to wake up and say, I've had enough of this crap. I've had enough of these bozos on Peacock criticizing me. I'm going to sell the team. That's the best case scenario right now if you're a Dolphins fan. If you're somebody that's been following that franchise for years and years and years through Joe Robbie and Wayne Heisenga and now Stephen Ross, you are wishing and hoping and praying for the day that Stephen Ross no longer owns the team and hoping that whoever owns the team next is more like Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft and less like Stephen Ross. Because I look at it this way. I look at it this way. And, and I remember this coming up after the passing of John Madden, that, that in a roundabout way, the way that John Madden made football seem so easy poisoned some of these oligarchs into thinking that hey it is easy and I'm smart I made a lot of money elsewhere I can figure out football if you're all in if you're all in and you've made billions in some other line of work then I'm fine with that because if you're truly all in you're going to figure it out you're going to you're going to figure if you're all in and you're willing to humble yourself and know what you don't know and learn it and grind the same way you learned and grind in whatever area of business you made your fortune then the team will be okay but at a minimum, just be there. Robert Kraft's there working on other stuff. He's not he's not right. elbow to elbow with Bill Belichick, but he's there. Right. Move, you know, 
free advice to anybody who's thinking about buying an NFL franchise, Jeff Bezos or anyone else, move your base of operations to the headquarters of your NFL team if you want it to be successful because you need to be present, you need to be there, and you need to be in a position where you don't get bamboozled by those in the organization who are trying to pull off a coup and get rid of a coach that isn't nice to me, that, that isn't all warm and fuzzy, that is focused during football season on winning football games and not anything else. Because if you're not there every day, you don't realize that someone else is pulling the wool over your eyes when it's time to make a big decision. And that's exactly what happened, I believe, firmly and completely to Stephen Ross and Brian Flores. They were the victims. They were the bystanders in all this. Forces in the organization that saw the opportunity to run off Brian Flores and convince Stephen Ross it was the right thing to do are the ones who did this. And they're the ones who are going to have to live with it. And here's Stephen Ross from yesterday discussing the possibility that the next coach will or won't be a guy that we know he feels very strongly about, Michigan coach Jim Hart. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bah. I have no coach in mind at this point. We're going to, you know, do a thorough, uh, you know, review and interview process. Uh, and that uh, Jim Harbaugh, I love Jim Harbaugh. Uh, he had the opportunity once before to come to the, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan, as everybody really knows. I guess that's really one of my really, uh, that is my school I graduated from, and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh for the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He is a great coach. And look, I've heard that Stephen Ross has indeed been talking to Jim Harbaugh, but not about coaching the Dolphins, about Harbaugh leveraging a great year in Michigan after he cut his salary in half because he wasn't getting it done. Right. If you're going to take a pay cut because you're not getting it done, if all of a sudden you're getting it done, you're going to get a pay raise. And I think this whole NFL thing has been part of the effort. Right. And and, and it's look, it's not strictly about getting Michigan to pay him more. It's a Michigan. If you don't take care of me, I do have options that I will genuinely and seriously pursue. But it's not going to be in Miami because Stephen Ross doesn't want to be responsible for taking away the football coach of his alma mater. But they're trying to work out a new deal for Harbaugh to keep him in Michigan. But, you know, Chris, the idea – and and uh, who knows if uh, Stephen Ross is 
tell him the truth. He's not going to go up there and say, I already know who I want to hire. The NFL encourages a very thorough and deliberate and expansive and diverse interview process. But if, if it's true, it's, it's, just, it's just a we threw overboard a guy who went, who had winning records each of the last two seasons. Who are you going to get next? I don't know. Well, well, you, I, I, you just threw away a guy who has a winning record amid dysfunction. And I don't know who. Look, this makes no this sense. Go well. and, and 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 here's here's the here's the other part too. Who in their right mind is going to take that job? Who's going to take that job? Knowing what we know, knowing that you step into the shoes of Brian Flores, you're the guy who, you know, if you're not nice enough to all the people in the building, they may whisper to Stephen Ross that uh, this guy's not getting it done. We need to get rid of him. And we know that it works unless Stephen Ross wakes up at some point and says enough of this crap. I'm sticking with my coach, but I would want some clear assurances going through the door if I was going to be the next coach of the Miami Dolphins under the ownership of Stephen Ross, unless he's going to move his base of operations to Miami and show up at work every single day. Well, yeah, I mean, but we know, we know how the old story goes. There's only 32 of them. Somebody's going to take the job, but yeah, I would be scared as hell. I would. I mean, if I'm a coach that has options, Miami's not going to be at the top of the list. There's no doubt. You're right about that. Yeah. And oh wait, I get to get stuck with a, you know, a Tua situation that you guys have doubled down on because of like a, a fan base that's not realistic right now about that situation. I mean, that's, oh, great. I get to be a part of that. That's really awesome. Right. And then, I mean, yeah, you fired a coach. I mean, here's the other aspect of it. It's just insane as you just continue to think about it. Like, fired a coach in the AFC East who's won winning seasons two years in a row in the AFC East with New England and Bill Belichick. And here he is again. They swept them this year. And the, the Patriots are good. A Miami, an AFC East that has... The, the the Buffalo Bills who were here to stay. It's not like he was like just barely winning record in some division that was a piece of crap. It was it's it's they got maybe the best player in football and Josh Allen they have to deal with twice a year. They got the New England Patriots. Okay, I know they got the Jets. It's just not easy. You know, and again, then you get back to this is where I just goes crazy. I go crazy because anything you watched during the year and you heard about anybody breaking down Miami including the fan base, including the fan base, and you hear and see anything on social media, the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line. Well, they have a ton of assets that they've used on the offensive line, and there's issues there with some of the players they've drafted, and that's Chris Greer's problem. Any other position that the players are okay, good enough, to better than good enough, we don't question anything. Why is that? Because they're coached well. That's because they're coached well. But the issue of the quarterback – and again, the offensive line that everybody talks about, and they're tied together. Oh, Tua can't be good because the offensive line's not good enough, you know. And all those, oh, you know, Tua's arm. Oh, Tua can't only throw it two yards in the flat. All that. These are all Chris Greer problems. These are all misevaluations of a player that we're talking about. That's the number one issue of the team: player or players. And yet, the coach is going to get fired for it. The coach who made, like you said. Chicken salad at a chicken you-know-what with not a good group of running backs, an offensive line that, again, was certainly towards the bottom of football in that position, but yet they won games, which is unbelievable. That doesn't happen when you have, oh, hey, hey, we got one of the worst offensive lines in football, but we expect to be above 500. That does not happen. 
That happens through good coaching and the ability to adjust off of that and manage game plans and realize, wait, we got to find other ways to do this. And that, again, speaks to Brian Flores and how good of a coach he is. And that's where between that, the smear campaign of the relationship crap, like I'm, I'll never root for the Dolphins. It'll be a long time. I hope they lose every game next year. Um, they might, oh they boy, might have slipped into John Harbaughville here. I mean, Jim Harbaughville. They might have slipped. Maybe it's a Michigan thing. Ross Harbaugh. I just can't root for either one of them. The hell with them. <laughs> so, so you're saying if they would hire Jim Harbaugh? After oh all, my gosh, I, I don't know what. I, if they hire Jim Harbaugh, I don't know what I'd do. I'd, I'd, I'd have to hate them more than any team in professional sports. <laughs> I've, I've gotten the question, and it's a fair question. I think it's worth 30 yeah. seconds or a minute to discuss. Is the standard the owner should hire good f- football people and stay out of the way, or is the standard the owner should be present every single day? My answer to that is both. Both, it's exactly. Both. You hire good football people and you let them do their jobs, and you're there every day to make sure they are doing their jobs and to make sure there aren't these weird little fiefdoms and cliques right. and, and battles right. that are emerging that you really don't understand. So when someone comes to you and complains about the coach – You've been around to sense the interactions. You've been around to understand the relationships. You know what's going on. You sniff out an attempted coup before they ever even truly attempt it. I remember when it was Jeff Ireland, Donna Ponte, and Joe Philbin, and they were constantly vying for the affections and attention and approval of Stephen Ross, and they were fighting among themselves. And it was just a poisonous, toxic relationship because the owner isn't there to realize yeah. what's going on. The right. cat's away, the mice do play. That That is a truthful sentiment. The cat needs to be there every single day. And then the other stuff doesn't happen. People focus on doing their jobs, and you're there to monitor whether they're doing their jobs and make sure that this stuff doesn't happen that causes a football team to do something stupid like fire a coach who's had back-to-back winning seasons and swept the Patriots. Let's think about that. That's what I was trying to say. Swept the Patriots. Think about that. Right. Swept the New England Patriots in week 18 when the Patriots were still potentially, you know, they started the game at the same time as Bill's Jets. In theory, they could have won the division. They're playing for something. Dolphins are playing for nothing after having their balloon burst all over the place with that loss to the Titans following the seven-game winning streak. They showed up and and beat the Patriots. The last three times. Beat them at the end of last year, too. It's 3-0. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I know. They've won three out of the last four. I know. I mean, again, that's what I'm talking about. AFC East, where the Bills got it together right as Brian Flores got the job. And they're a power. And they have a superstar quarterback. And the Patriots... And he's won three out of the last four against the Patriots. Nobody does that to Bill Belichick. I mean, everything that Brian Flores was responsible for was on the up and up. Uh, and and that's where I just, I don't get it, you know. And I would think he's got options, that's for sure. Again, Well, let's talk yeah, about that. Let's yeah, talk about that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and let me just say this. Look, Dolphins fans, I feel bad for you. Steven Ross is getting what he deserves as he spins his wheels in the mud to try to figure out why he can't turn his team into a consistent winner, even though it's consistently had a winning record the last two years, he gets what he deserves. Dolphins fans are the ones who are the victims in all this, along with Brian Flores, because now they get plunged back into crap, potentially, as the team goes forward. As for Flores, look, I, I, I think the days of Norv Turner and Wade Phillips getting three cracks at being head coaches are gone. I think you get two cracks 
as a as a head coach now. I think Flores needs to be very careful. Don't slip into the Eric Mangini, Adam Just Gase. Just take a job. Right. Somebody else is interested in me. I'm going right. to go take a job right. as a boost to my ego. I think Flores needs to take a step back and make sure. And I'm not saying do the Josh McDaniels, wait a decade or right. longer. But just make sure take your next right. job. But let's let's regather, right. regroup, reconsider, and make sure the next one is the right one, where you do have the right support around you, where you don't have to worry about somebody sticking a knife in your back, and you can just go do your job to the best of your ability, and the owner will be there to realize that that's what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, don't rush to it. Just to, yeah, you're right. Just out of you know the emotions of the moment. I'm gonna prove everybody wrong. Give me a job. Yes, make sure it's the right situation where you have the right backing, the team's in the right spot. I mean, this is what this says it all right here, everybody, where I'm pointing. I mean, right there. It's the first time they've gone above 500 back-to-back seasons in 20 years, in 19 years. And we fired the coach? What? I, I, I can't believe it. I really can't. It, to me, is still the shocker. Uh, of the last week, certainly the shocker of the firing cycle of Black Monday is the fact that Brian Flores got fired. I just never, never thought that was going to happen. Right now, we've got the Jaguars job available, the Raiders, although I think Rich Bisaccia has coached his way into that job. I hope That's so. a different topic that we yeah. may get to. We've got the Broncos, the Vikings, the Bears as the vacant positions. The Giants may or may not become open. Do you see one in this cycle that you think Flores should be paying attention to or or just go back to New England for a year or go somewhere else for a year, take a year off, enjoy a buyout for a year, and then decide what you're going to do in 2023? Well, I mean, I do look at the Broncos you know, as a team that's got a lot of pieces in place. I do. You know, that, that that jumps out to me as far as a place to where, yeah, if they could get the quarterback situation right here in the offseason, Flores. Sean Watson. I, yeah, right. <laughs> the, the Flores could certainly hit the ground running with that type of football team. You know, the Bears with their defense, there's a lot of similar, you know, style as far as the defense he runs. He could certainly go there and still install his principles there, and they have the personnel to do that. There's a lot of 3-4 there. You know, I thought maybe the Houston Texans job might come open. That was another one that I thought about with Nick Casario being there, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I don't think, you know, he's going to want to deal with that talk as far as the Deshaun Watson there either. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying here is uh, I don't know if there's one that jumps out to me right now is what I'm saying. It might be a year where he has to just sit back and, you know, like you said, be a consultant or or go to New England and, and wait his turn one more year. I got one last factor yeah. that needs to be considered here yeah. because from time to time we will mention that you know Steelers fans get up in arms about Mike Tomlin and if Tomlin would ever be fired he would land somewhere else immediately to the point where teams that have coaches would fire those coaches if it meant getting Tomlin. So we, we talked about the vacancies that are out there. Can yeah. we rule out completely the possibility that there are owners who thought about it on the fence – and decided going into the offseason as it began yesterday morning, I'm going to stand pat with who I have. And then here comes the curveball. Brian Flores is available. Yeah, right, right. That change that changes the that changes the thinking. Right? Now, I'm not going to let the bird in the hand get away unless I know I can get Brian Flores. But am I at least considering? Are there teams out there where the consideration may be? You know what? It's kind of run its course 
with our current head coach. Maybe this is my opportunity. Yeah. And I'm not going to – I got a couple of ideas. I'm not going to say them. I'm not going to say them because, look, it's not fair to the coaches involved to think that they're dangling now because Flores is available. From his perspective, he may not be comfortable having any conversations with anyone if their job isn't already vacant. But if, I, if I'm an owner and I got a guy that I'm not real sure about and I know I can get Flores, if I know I can get him, I'm saying to the guy that I have, oh, you know, I'm not real sure about you. See you later. I'm going to get this guy while I can before somebody else does. Yeah, well, I, I think that's how the football world views Brian Flores is that it, it, he's special. He's a special commodity. There's no doubt. And, I, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I do look at it, too. I think with, like, a guy like Brian Flores, the Bears, that situation, there's no GM there. Young quarterback in fields, okay, he got that in place. You know, I will say with a guy like Brian Flores coming from New England, all that he knows as far as how things are supposed to be run in the front office as well, as far as the GM. See, that to me, again, it, it points to, you know, there's so many things that point to it. Flores, all his history in New England doing, you know, personnel stuff too. Oh, wait, and now he didn't get along with the GM that's not from New England and that school of thought. Like, that's where I, 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 they, they, they need to – if Flores does take another job, he needs to be with a GM that understands the New England way. I guess that's where I was going to say too. I get, and I, I think it's you got to have that element there because there's an expectation as far as how how you make the donuts when you come from New England because they know it's a it's a total organizational thing that the front office and the coaches all going to be on the same page about the process and what it takes to get free agents to draft, the evaluation, and how those pieces fit the style of football you're going to play on the, on the field. And that, to me, is, again, another area I think that gets uh, maybe a little lost in translation at times. And, again, I think it's a problem with Joe Judge and the Giants because there's that, thing, that, that issue there, too. You know, uh, Just a, a, a random thought that kind of came to my head there as we were talking about this. Well, you mentioned the Bears, and here's another reason yeah. why Aaron Rodgers should want to go nowhere other than the NFC North, because 50% of the division cleaned house on Monday. The Vikings clean house and the Bears clean house with an asterisk. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.